This is the FS Tech Podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Peter Walker, your host and the editor of FS Tech. While the coronavirus crisis means that regulators have taken something of a step back in recent months, the cost of non-compliance remains high for banks of all shapes and sizes, be it anti-money laundering directives, strong customer authentication, the Basel III reforms or GDPR, it is crucial to have the right systems and processes in place. Now, data management is one of the key themes running through all of these, regardless of whether you're a nimbler but less well-resourced digital challenger or a legacy IT adult incumbent operating at scale. Today, we're going to look at how operational organization and improvements in data quality can help immensely when paired with things like automation and cloud-enabled agility. To help dive a bit deeper into these topics, I'm speaking to James Cotton, who is a Solutions Director at Information Builders, who are a data and analytics software company that embeds intelligence into, well, just about everything. They help organizations get complex and disconnected data in order so that they can build, embed, and automate. James is also the director of their Data Management Center of Excellence, so is well qualified to answer my questions on this subject. So James, uh, how are you today? Hi Peter, um, I'm very good. Thank you for, for having me on your podcast today. Excited Excellent. to be. Pleasure is all mine. Um, we might as well get straight in. And, and one, one of the main, well, sorry, one of the many things this pandemic has seemingly accelerated is digitalization and automation attempts by financial services firms. So, so how does this fit into the kind of regulatory compliance side of things? Well, the majority of regulatory compliance, of course, is around making sure that you can prove how you've treated data and that the right processes have been followed, right? And so long gone are the days of long, exhaustive paper trails in that regard. And it has forced us to accelerate either existing programs or maybe dust off some initiatives that companies have had on the shelf for ages Um, So we're often seeing um, people reach out to potentially the more modern technologies, think machine learning and think AI uh, that are also part of this. And that brings along with it uh, a whole set of new challenges specifically around regulatory compliance. And um, for most organizations, Um, they're trying to fit things into the existing way of doing it. So taking an existing process and digitizing it, and the pandemic has definitely sped up that effort. Interestingly, however, that the initial questions that really came to us when this all started were less around operational uh, compliance, but much more around, I think, what I would call operational resilience. So just an organization being able to do what they do for a living, but now in the new world of people working from home or sitting behind our laptops, trying to securely access resources, getting the data we need. And for a lot of companies, I'd say, we've definitely seen that there are, or they've uncovered is is a better word, a lot of elements within their business that just don't work that well Uh, remotely and they've had to accelerate programs to get rid of that or at least to automate those processes. It has been however quite difficult for the majority of them to make sure that gets done within the framework they already have 
around operational reporting and uh, specifically around regulatory compliance, right? So despite the fact that we're all working remotely and we all have different jobs with different access to different resources, proving who has seen what information, what has been done to it, how has it been changed, um, has definitely been, uh, been a challenge. I think we see that the majority of the larger organizations uh, have actually coped with this quite well. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned um, machine learning there. I suppose th there's no point in applying something like artificial intelligence kind of algorithms to unstructured data, though, is there? I mean, what do banks have to think about before attempting to kind of streamline their processes in, in these kind of ways? So machine learning and AI are in more parts of a business than most people know. And it is on the increase. Uh, it's a hot topic for a very good reason. And I would say skills is certainly the area to consider, besides the obvious one that you mentioned of being able to get your data in good shape. When it comes to unstructured data, uh, unstructured data is perfectly suitable for machine learning and AI algorithms. What is less suitable for those kind of things is potentially incorrect data or data that we're not quite sure what the quality is or how well we can trust it. And so we see that data quality is probably still one of the biggest hurdles here. With companies having access to more and more data, but often without the means to really ensure that they can accurately trust it. Uh, so examples we hear a lot is that training a ML model, a machine learning model on inaccurate data would obviously lead to inaccurate results but now that's being applied at scale. So an upcoming field of machine learning is something that's called explainable AI, and that gives more insights into specifically how algorithms came to a certain conclusion. And this has been the piece that has actually been missing for quite a long time, and it can help when it comes to regulatory compliance. So as an example, um, Let's say a piece of machine learning is determining whether I'm suitable for another loan, right? There might be 50 variables the algorithm spits out. And if it says I'm not fit for a specific loan, it's often quite hard, hard to explain why it actually came to that result. And the fact that it came to that result could be a combination of lots of factors. So AI and machine learning have always, always I wouldn't say always, but have quite often been a little bit of a black box. Algorithms and data goes in one side, and you need to be a exceptionally gifted person to be able to understand how the AI engine sometimes came to its conclusion. Maybe it's the place I live combined with my previous loans or my expected income over the next decade or so. Perhaps it's the type of job I have. And we're getting to the point where these models can become so sophisticated that it is really quite tricky for mere mortals to sometimes understand how they reach their conclusions. So with explainable AI, you can actually get insights into which of these variables played what part in the actual outcome. Specifically, when it comes to regulatory compliance, of course, that, that's a big deal to be able to see. And what did this do? Interestingly, I'd say that digitization or, or streamlining of processes, regardless of what you want to call it, is probably less about making an existing process digital. And this is the approach we've actually seen over quite a few years, but it just doesn't work that well. A human-led or paper-based process often works well because it was designed to operate in that form. 
a digital version of that process, whatever it may be, would often need to be different. So I guess my advice here, if anything, would be to look at what processes you have today that either feel old or clunky, potentially prone to human error, and closely look how you'd like them to operate. And you know what, maybe from a customer or a consumer perspective, and then go and talk to the solution providers, challenge them to come up with something and see how together it is best to optimize a process. We often hear many reasons why something can't be done when there is actually a lot more possible these days than people are really aware of. And this really isn't about having new shiny technology, right? I know we're a technology vendor, but it is about making the most of the entire stack that you have at your disposal and trying to design to meet the demands of today uh, without losing sight of what you'd like to be able to achieve in a few years time. Excellent. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess I, I mentioned it in my, my intro, the kind of the, the difference between the, 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 the fintech kind of challengers and the established kind of incumbent banks. Did you get a sense of, of, of how the experience of, of the last six months has been for, for those two kind of types uh, and stages of organizations um, in terms of how they're approaching uh, the, the kind of things we've been talking about? Yeah, so think that it has been easier on fintechs due to the way they operate and the way they have been relying on technology already. Making, uh, making the leap to more digital uh, has been less of a leap for them. But potentially, it has less to do with whether you're a fintech or an existing uh, organization. And maybe it has more to do with potentially the amount of legacy that a lot of existing companies have to deal with that brings with it complexity and that's often kind of seen as a burden. Also, the word legacy itself is often kind of seen as a negative and yet some of these systems that we refer to as negative have been going strong for decades and they continue to deliver value today. So obviously, if you were to start with a clean slate, you'd gravitate more to uh, maybe the more modern solutions. And so that is seen as a big advantage, especially in the fintech area. But don't forget, there is tremendous value contained within these legacy systems. Years and years of potentially very valuable data that the large established organizations can tap into and should tap into. And they also tend to have much larger budgets. And to a certain extent, they can afford to fail with IT projects. Well, yeah. they really can't afford to fail, of course. But it's certainly easier to try something in isolation and learn from it. Uh, often fintechs just aren't able to take that approach, pockets aren't deep enough. And so there's pros and cons to each of them. I think no doubt the modern based tech startup can spend funds more effectively, but just having a modern data architecture alone really isn't enough. And I think there are plenty of solutions out there uh, like ours that would excel at combining traditional integration with more modern solutions. So we see the most sophisticated data projects probably come out of the larger more established companies at the moment yeah i mean this is the thing bank banks have been managing customer data electronically for for decades now so i guess what's what's changed recently and, and what, what are the new types of requests that are coming in well data keeps coming at us in, in new forms and from new sources very very frequently um, and each of us is really working with 
much, much more data on a daily basis. Now, whether that's uh, you using Excel or maybe more modern data management solutions, we're all processing an awful lot more. I think one of the, the newest hot sources, of course, uh, would be IoT. But a lot of the data doesn't only come from outside the organization, right? We're also generating huge amounts of data ourselves, which we should look to reuse where it makes sense. And it doesn't make sense everywhere, of course. I guess as, a, as an IoT example, uh, an insurer might want to change my premium, for example, if they knew I'm going through a set of tires once a month. Or maybe much more likely, they would like to give me a discount because I'm such a good driver and I don't take risks. And it is just one of the examples of using external, and in this case, IoT data, to either come up with new products or refine them. And when we look at the example of using your own data more effectively, I'd imagine organizations spend time looking at how people use their services and actively monitor that. Who is logging into their platforms? Are they doing that frequently? does that say about the type of customer and should we be offering new products to them does that pose a risk to us how should we work along those things it's always surprising to me that that organizations have a lot more data at their fingertips than they're actually aware of and the trick of course if you can call it a trick is obviously to find out what data you have what it really means and how you can use it in the most effective way. So on both ends of the spectrum, there's obviously examples. You've got companies who very specifically use one set of data for one task and one thing alone. And then you've got organizations which use all data for everything. Both of those are, <laughs> are obviously not 100% the right way to go. There needs to be a fine balance between those two. And I think it is things like uh, the new regulations also when it comes to things like privacy, et cetera, which are really helping to keep us honest here. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm wondering, um, to get back into kind of regulations, in terms of some of the kind of specific rules I mentioned earlier, how do banks balance the need to use data to design products and improve customer service with the kind of privacy rules under GDPR or, or the security protocols like uh, KYC or, or AML? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think if we didn't need to worry about GDPR and things like security, you'd probably see some absolutely amazing products and services come out. And you still do from a consumer perspective. And I mean, we're all consumers at the end of the day as well. So when you come across these things, ask yourself how a certain service operate. What information is this company getting from me and what am I getting in return? And it's kind of up to the individual to decide where the balance ultimately lies, of course. More from an organizational point of view, I think it's important to realize that it's much harder to gain trust and not lose it than it is to actually lose trust. That is a very easy thing. And so, there are good reasons that these checks and balances are in place. I remember a few years ago, we, yeah, a lot of people were really worried about GDPR. They felt it clipped their wings and potentially took away a competitive advantage. Uh, these days, however, when we speak to organizations, most of them see being compliant with GDPR as a competitive advantage. 
right? They're able to explain to their customers how data is used, how it's being handled, and they're being open and transparent about what that data is being used for. So most projects I think you'd want to do from a data standpoint are still possible, even with GDPR and all those regulations in place, uh, but they do take some additional effort. So one of the concepts here, which, which I'm sure you've, uh, you've all spoken about a lot, is a concept called privacy by design. And it is without a doubt worthy of kind of the greatest minds of your organization, right? Get your best people to look into how to design processes, services, and ultimately products that take this into account. And interestingly, again, it's not really about additional technology often, but it's about using what is at your disposal in a better way. So when starting a new data initiative, maybe start by asking yourself, where does that data come from? What processes actually need which details and how will they be used downstream? Uh, we definitely see the tendency that data kind of spreads like, like an oil slick throughout an organization. And it is hard to make sure that you can accurately say what data is being used where and why. Yeah, and by minimizing the access that each of those steps really needs to a minimum in order to require to, to make them work, um, we're making our jobs an awful lot easier. If I don't need uh, the color of someone's hair in my process, then maybe I shouldn't have that data on my desk to start with. And we can obviously take, take this a long way, but within the field of data management, there are definitely hot topics that are foundational to pretty much every data project you're embarking on. You mentioned data quality. Uh, I'd say data governance comes up in that one a lot as well. The basic premise here, of course, is that if you can't trust the data, how can others do so? But fortunately, I think we've seen pretty much every form of data from pretty much every system over the last four decades or so. So we can certainly help here. Okay. The other the other kind of topic I wanted to um, get into as well is is kind of the the, the acceleration and the move uh, to adopt um, cloud storage and, and kind of automation across the industry. What what do you think is the kind of key to success with these sort of programs, especially in the, the kind of time of remote working that we're in? Well, we've been forced to a certain extent to transition to remote working very quickly. And I think overall, the industry has coped well. Um, I think this would have been much, much harder, even as little as, as maybe a decade ago. Um, so from that point of view, we're lucky that we're in the era of, of data and information as we are now, because it would have been a lot harder a while back. So I think key here, when, when we talk about these kind of things, right, cloud and automation, is knowing what you want out of these, knowing what you're trying to achieve, knowing what you have, and being able to stick to that objective. From a certain point of view, of course, we've been forced to accelerate an awful lot of programs, but that doesn't mean that uh, we can't go back and revisit and improve upon them. One of, the, one of the issues we, of course, see is once customers tend to find out all, all the cool things that they can do with modern technology and modern solutions, they're often looking to expand their usage very rapidly. And while this is a good thing, 
I think it is important to make sure that organizations get the basis right, the foundation right, before really attempting that. And that foundational piece is more important than ever. Things like cloud, things like heavily um, supported automation, maybe with some AI and ML underneath, means that things operate at scale much more uh, than they ever have. And that also has the potential to, of course, go badly. So uh, that, that foundational data access, that part of data management that allows an organization with certainty to say where data came from, how it's being used, what it's being used for, uh, and how they're actually making the most out of that data when it comes to designing new products and new services is much more important in the day where everything is available to everyone pretty much yeah, with the click of a button, right? Whether that be an app, whether that be a different form of using services. And consumers play a, play a large part in this as well. You couldn't imagine starting up a new fintech company without having some form of, of app to go with it or without really adding value that has to do with the scale that you can achieve through, well, your example was cloud and automation. So it, it's no longer something that is optional. It really is required. And we're seeing, uh, yeah, we're seeing a lot of customers come to us with challenges in that area not just the, um, the large established financial institutions, but certainly also the more modern companies who are really trying to achieve those benefits of scale through the persistent use of data. So that could be at the access of, of or at the level of data access, I should say. How can I actually get to all that data in a consistent fashion? That could be more along the lines of data quality and data governance. Now I have access to that data. How am I able to make sure that it is fit for use, fit for purpose? Um, and sometimes it's on the other side of the scale. It's much more around the reporting and analytics uh, combinations, probably with AI and machine learning in order to make smart decisions on that data or to make people's lives uh, a lot easier. Okay, that makes sense. Now, we, we like to um, finish the, the podcast with a kind of a future-facing question. So um, just kind of broadly, I suppose, what, what do you think is on the horizon in terms of regulation that can potentially in, impact uh, data management, the kind of things that you do? I guess what you're hearing from clients or what is your, your team kind of working on as, as kind of threats or opportunities within the next few years, maybe? Yeah. That's a that's a great question. So we do, of course, uh, get a lot of inquiries when it comes to uh, what we would call the proper use of data management. Interestingly, that differs for pretty much every organization and drivers there are GDPR or the upcoming regulations uh, like e-privacy. And a lot of questions really have to do around and how do I make the connection between what is and isn't allowed within the industry with these modern technologies that I want to be trying to use. So think AI and ML, that's, that's not just a hot topic, that's definitely here to stay and we're seeing that being embedded in all sorts of processes that, to be honest, the majority of us three, four years ago wouldn't even have thought would be applicable. Um, that field is growing really quickly. And if you combine that with the more modern ways of accessing data and using services centralized 
cloud services and the automation that goes with it. Companies are coming up with extremely innovative products uh, in the financial space that they will be rolling out within the next uh, 12 to 24 months. We're going to see an awful lot more of those. And of course, there's the topic of, of data sharing and being able to access more data, albeit in a very secure manner, in order to actually drive more value from that. So I'd say those are the conversations that we're having the most. And we're going to see more and more people get used to doing things themselves, doing things remotely, rather than walking into physical offices of banks and other establishments. Um, and before we say our goodbyes then, where, where can our listeners find out a bit more about uh, information builders and the work that you do? So uh, probably easiest to just go to ibi.com, um, which is where they can find a lot of information on the type of projects that information builders helps with, uh, the type of solutions we offer and, and the products that go with it. And I would like to, I'd like to challenge everyone to uh, really come up with their toughest data problems and uh, get our input on um, what the best way would be, or at least to see where we can help. I think, like I've mentioned before, uh, we do see an awful lot of people trying to automate and trying to investigate uh, where new technology can help. But without really having the idea of the scope of what is potentially possible, we do see that a lot of projects could be executed a lot better if you have some of that knowledge and some of that advice up front. And uh, yeah, I challenge everyone to uh, bring their hardest data challenges to us and we'll, uh, we'll have a chat and see where we can help you. Okay, great. Well, challenge accepted, I'm sure. Um, thank you very much for answering all my questions, James. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Thank you for listening to the FS Tech Podcast.